now that you've come into Christ, he is preeminent over everything and all things. And he must be first because here's the thing that every person here that's been born again must come to this resolution. That every born again believer in Christ who is rooted in him and alive in him and hidden in him and who has been made complete in him, it becomes utterly inconsistent if we don't make him a priority. If you were homeless living on the street, eating out of the trash can and had no hope, and then someone comes, cleans you up, makes you new, and saves you from a desperate situation, shouldn't you at least acknowledge them? After all, they did save your life. Pastor Martin begins a new sermon series out of Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Let's listen as Pastor Martin explains. Now the basis and foundation for our sermon series this month is based upon one of our 30 essentials, which is the 30th essential that says total surrender. I surrender my life for God's purposes. It's important to understand as we journey for the next few weeks that in this particular context and the text that we have, Paul makes a very bold statement in verse 16. He says that all things were made through Christ, but then he goes on and it gives us the platform from which we will teach this sermon series that all things were made through Christ and all things were made for Christ. So and ultimately, we understand that in order for you or I and anyone in God's creation to really fully embrace and understand its purpose, it has to start with the author. The word of God said that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So when we think about what it means to have purpose, it charges us with this reality and this sense that no matter where we are in our journey in life, we need to stop and then ask the question, Lord, what would you have me to do? We see this in uh, the story of the Apostle Paul who felt as if he was still Saul at the time, his name had not been changed, but he thought that his purpose, his God-given purpose, was to persecute any Christian. He made it his business. He traveled around. And then when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, believing that he is doing God a service, he meets Jesus, and Jesus asks him, Saul, Saul, why are you doing this to me? Having now had an encounter with Jesus, it brought him to the question that we're asking today. After having an encounter with Jesus and understanding that the course that he had been on to this point, what he was committed to doing in his life and all the things that seemed to give him meaning and purpose, when he found himself with an encounter with Jesus, he came to one conclusion that he must stop and ask, Lord, what would you have? me to do because an encounter with Jesus begins to stir in us that sense that there is a motivation that goes beyond anything that is within me it's motivated by what I am a recipient of because of him 
King Solomon is credited with having made this statement in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Now his declaration follows him having spent time and later on as he was pondering, had riches and had all these things, he ponders and as he concludes later on, this statement is followed or concluded with him stating that, that the, all, the whole purpose of man should simply be to fear God and to keep his commandments. Solomon had uh, prosperity beyond our imagination, popularity. He had prestige. He was well-loved, envied. And after all that he had, he stopped and he said, it's all vanity. Jesus says that what profit in it is a man if he or she would gain the whole world and not spend enough time nurturing their soul. So when we find ourselves here, it brings us into this place of, Lord, where and what would you have me to do? See, when we think about what it means for us to live a life in purpose, it causes us to stop and reevaluate and then recalibrate how we place our priorities. When a, when a man and a woman marry, the Bible says that for this reason, a man and a woman should leave their, their father and mother and be joined to their spouse. It doesn't mean that they abandon their family. It means that they recalibrate the list of priorities. The daddy's girl recognizes that daddy moves down and husband moves up. The mama's boy realizes that mama moves down and wife moves up. Not that there's an abandonment, but there's a realignment. And not that we shouldn't have other things in our life and other priorities, but once we come into an encounter with Jesus and decide that we're going to surrender all, then we come to that place where we have to then recalibrate and make sure that no matter what, no matter when, no matter who, that all things are realigned after him. Because in order for me to do all for the glory of God, I have to make sure that he is preeminent in all things. In this letter to the Colossian church, Paul is trying to help give some context. So his purpose is seeming to show them that Christ is to be first or preeminent in everything in their lives. When we start to look at it, that he should be foremost in everything. Now, one thing that we find as believers that we will find ourselves having competing priorities. Just with any level at any stage of life, when it comes to our offering of ourselves to him, realignment. I remembered when I first wedded my wife and we first came in and we began to understand what it meant to live together. 
I had to realize that she was more important than some of the things that were more important to me. Well, I had to realize that I loved to go and play basketball until the last man left and went home, Brother Rodney. But I realized that if she wanted to be home at nine, all right, guys, I got to get going. Now, the first time that that happened, I felt weak. I felt, felt like I was, you know, I felt, I felt weak. I felt like the guys are going to think, Brother Tommy, that I was soft. You know what I'm saying? Hey, uh, I got to get going. Why? Uh, <laughs> uh, my, wife, my wife wanted me to come home. So that first time I stayed. <laughs> when I called Poppy, I said, hey, hey, Hunter. I said, uh, uh-huh. I said, hey, are you all right? She said, uh-huh. <laughs> and she asked the question, are you hungry? I knew what that was a lead-in, too. She had cooked dinner. It had been sitting there. She had had it set up. It's warm. It's cold now. So she said, are you hungry? I said, uh, well, yeah, I've been, I mean, we had a pretty good run. You know, it was, it was uh, pretty, pretty, pretty parched at this point. I'm thirsty and hungry, you know. Okay. Well, your dinner, your plate will be sitting on the stove when you come in. So, oh, okay, we well, we all right. Thank you, babe. I appreciate you doing that. I come in and she's in the room. <clears throat> you uh, hey babe, um, good great warm my food. I'm gonna eat. You gonna come down? I already ate. <laughs> yeah, I'm full. So, oh boy. Then I begin to understand that the things that it were in my life that that preceded her had to now be sub subject to her. I'd always played basketball. I always stayed until the gym closed, but now I had to realign. So Paul, when he's writing to the, to the church at Colossae, he's saying, listen, guys, I know that you have all these things, but, but Christ, now that you've come into Christ, he is preeminent over everything and all things, and he must be first. Because here's the thing that every person here that's been born again, must come to this resolution that every born-again believer in Christ who is rooted in him and alive in him and hidden in him and who has been made complete in him, it becomes utterly inconsistent if we don't make him a priority. Because no matter how you look at it, being complete, being hidden, being brought in and made brought near, and, and, and being brought in and included in the inheritance of the saints, he must be first. So now there's a couple things that's tied to this because if 
each born-again believer must come into this realization, then that also means that as a collective group of born-again believers, we as a church must also be very much mindful of crisis preeminence. Here's Amity's vision. Listen, this is a part of Amity's vision statement. It says, our vision is to become the church as Christ intended it to be. That when God was birthing the vision of Amity, it was necessary to state that we want to not just be another church, but we want to be a church who strives to be what Jesus had in mind when he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. So I want to start us off today with a couple quotes. And I just want, I'm going to say them slowly. I'm going to say the first, give you a moment to ponder that, and I'll say the second one, because I want this to settle in and help you to see where we're going today. The first quote is, strong lives are motivated by dynamic purposes. Strong lives are motivated by dynamic purposes. Because as you think about the words of a strong life, motivated, dynamic, strong life, motivated, dynamic purpose. Four operative terms. A strong life is motivated by a sense of a dynamic purpose. Here's the next quote. A sense of purpose simplifies life and therefore concentrates our abilities and that concentration adds power. that this sense of purpose helps to simplify things because oftentimes as we're trying to figure out how to prioritize, it's difficult to figure out where we should place priority or how we should organize those priorities based upon the fact that there are competing priorities. But a sense of purpose helps to simplify that because now it becomes very clear. So as I had to go back and recalibrate my purposes and, and my purpose to serve my wife, my family, I had to, it made it clear where basketball fell in the line and so many other things. I, I, I referenced this earlier, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one, where Solomon says, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose. I referenced that earlier, but I want you to think about what that means. He says that everything under heaven has purpose. And everything under heaven has purpose in its season. See, five years ago, there was no Amity Bible Church. Five years later, in its season, it has a purpose. There's been other churches, there were churches when it started, and there will be other churches that will start after it. 
But for everything under heaven, there is a season and a purpose attached to that season. And now it is important for us to then reconcile this within our hearts that we here are sitting here not by happenstance, but that God already had a preordained purpose for Amity Bible Church, watch this, and that you would be a part of it. That guides me to my first point. Everything finds its purpose in Christ Jesus. See, one of the reasons why there's so much chaos and people are doing things that are just absolutely mind-blowing that doesn't seem to align even with their character, what people uh, that have known them for years have known of them because, as we said, dynamic lives Strong lives are motivated by dynamic purpose. I can keep focus and not make the decision that destroys my whole life because I keep my eyes set on my pursuit of Jesus Christ. Here, look at verse 16. Look what, what Paul says. He says, for by him, Christ, speaking of Christ, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, both visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions, principalities or power, all things were created through him and there it is for him. If all things were created for Christ, then my statement it's true that all things find its true purpose. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl will only fully understand their true purpose, their divine purpose in Christ. Being able to recognize that he is the one that gives purpose that is dynamic, but purpose that is divine. Let me read this definition that I've put together for purpose. The reason for which something is done or created. The reason for which something exists. Our sermon title is that we're in pursuit of divine purpose. So now let's apply that. The reason for which... Amity was created. The reason for which amity exists. A divine purpose. That Jesus has as he's in the process of continuing to build his global church, he realized he wanted a local location of believers, a church that would be called Amity Bible Church. That as he's continuing to build his church, this idea of all things being, finding their purpose 
in, in Christ is supported by Psalm 24, verse 1, for it says, For the earth is the Lord's, and all of its fullness, the world and all they that dwell within it. And we see here Paul saying that, that God has put such a preeminence on Christ, making him the head of the church, that God has assigned or delegated all authority for the building of his church, for the, the, the continued manifestation of his plan of love to reconcile man back to himself. He's delegated, he's given all of that to Christ Jesus, which is why when he rose, he says, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And he is the head of the body, which is the church, which we are as born again believers, a part of that family. The next point that I want to make is that every born again believer has purpose in Christ. Each one of us, when we come into this knowledge of who Christ is and we accept him, God has some specific things that are unique to you. Some specific things. So think about this. If God assembled a church, assembled a local church, within that church, he's put all the resources that are there. I love what Pastor Smith said last week. He said, listen, this church has been paid off. And he said, and all the projects, we're going we're to take this wall down eventually, but, and all the projects that we've got going on, they've already been paid for. He said, it's just still in your pocket. Because what he's saying is that God, when he assembles, he assembles all the resources necessary in that place to accomplish what he desires. So if he is the one who's given purpose to each one of us, then it is imperative for us to ask individually, Lord, what would you have me to do? And then we collectively find what our collective purpose is when all of us are seeking to fulfill our God-given purpose. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You don't have to turn there, but just hear this. He says, for we are his, talking about Christ, we are God's workmanship. Talking about how we are to serve Christ. He, he says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, say it with me, good works. Good works. Now, let's be clear. We, you can't work your way to heaven. You'd work your, hand, you'd work your hands to the bone, to the nub, down to no nub, up to the arm, on up to the elbow, and wouldn't have any limbs left, and you still wouldn't be able to work your way to heaven. You can't work for salvation, but because you have salvation, there is something that God wants to work through you because that's how he's designed it. God could do what he wants to do. Do you realize that if God wanted to, he could create a money tree in the backyard? Somebody said, boy, that would be great. I'd plant me one a day. But he says that he works through me. And he says, listen, 
Give, it'll be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, run over. Shall who? Not God, who? Men will give into your bosom. He puts on the hearts of men to do the things he wants to accomplish in the earth. He stirs your heart. See, sometimes we get agitated with what's not happening at our church, not knowing it's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm trying to call you to it. Oh, Pastor Martin preached today. See, I don't know why we don't have nobody doing this, because you ain't doing it. The Lord talking to you right now. You, you, all, you done got in multiple studies trying to discern the voice of the Lord. And he done stirred you and stirred you to get going. He's like, yeah, well, we need to find somebody to do that. We have his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. But look what he says that God already foreordained and prepared and, and laid it out and said, this has your name on it. See, it's good for us to sing, God's got a blessing with your name on it. And we get good excited with getting that blessing with my name on it, with my name on it, with my name on it, my name on it, my name on it, my name. And then, the, then God says, okay, God's got some word. What's your name on? What's your name on? What's your name? <laughs> yeah, he said, yeah, I, I got blessings too, but I got some, some, some things I want you to do as well. Because he says God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word walk speaks of actively engaged in. That we should walk in them. But here's the key. Here's a note that I think will help us to understand all this. It says, we can only fulfill God's, our God-given purpose by submitting to walk in God's will. See, notice when God arrests Paul on the road to Damascus, Jesus didn't actually ask him to do anything. He said that what he was doing was not helping him but hurting him. And Paul's reaction was, well, then if I'm not to do this, what would you have me to do? It is that sense of being submitted to what God says that, that, that we wrestle with because we do have our own will. That's what actually makes us so unique in God's creation when he says that he made us in his likeness. That, that word likeness speaks of being made like him. We have the ability to reason and choose. We also have the ability to reason, choose, and then create. Thus, you can make you art and different things that you're able to do. So ultimately, God made us with the very thing that oftentimes hinders us. Because we do have a will, but it is our duty to then say, God, I give my will to you. That's why Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, even though he knew his whole plan was to come and to die on the cross. He gets there and he, feels, he realizes the anguish that he's going to face. And then he says, Father, is there any other way that we can get this done? And after the Father affirms this is the only way, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So then we can conclude from the reasoning that I just gave that if God has then given each one of us individual purposes, then that means he also has a purpose for this local body. Because 
as we come collectively as people of purpose, we then now create a church that is filled with purpose. This point, I think, I think will help bring it together for us all. God assembles local churches according to his purposes. Because you think, you've asked yourself, why, why, why are there so many churches? There's churches everywhere. Why so many? He assembles churches for his purpose. He brings together those bodies of Christ that he may accomplish certain things. Yesterday, we were, we were um, attended. My son had a... Um, a uh, flag football game, and so we had, it was at one of the large churches, uh, Lutheran churches, in over in uh, West Plano. When we got there, I was telling my wife, "Man, this is the whole campus. This is why it's been here for a while." And if you could look at the building and tell it had been, it had been the structure had maybe been built in the '70s, so it, the, the school and the church had been there for a long time. And then realizing as we're driving onto the campus, I realized, okay. This place has been providing Christian education for generations of children for many, many years. That somebody at some point assembled a church, uh, uh, formed a church, that church then formed a school. That school now represents the place that we're, that we're sitting in these bleachers because at some point a purpose was placed upon this people. So what purposes for which God has us. If you look at verse 17, look at verse 17, 18, for, for he is before all things. He, he was before everything, and in him all things consist. See, we're still here. And, and I can't say this enough because I just want you to understand, I'm, I don't want to be redundant, and I don't want to wear you out with it, but the reality is that when you look at church planting statistics, Amity should not be here today. But according to Paul, in Christ, all things consist of sustain. God kept, Jesus put his hands around it and kept it until this day. So in him, all things consist, and he is the head of the body, which is the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things, that in all things he may be preeminent. If we keep Christ first as a church, he will keep his hand on us as a people. And wherever his hand is, his fingerprints are there. Let me tell you about his fingerprints. His fingerprints are the blessings and the bounty of what he does because here's how he blesses. He does exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. That's where you know his fingerprints are because he begins to reveal it again and again. That concludes our message for today. And we want to thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or attend our Wednesday night virtual Bible study, contact us at amitybc.org. Until next time. Be blessed.